same book, Acts chapter 2. And when I uh, started working on this, I had no idea how long it would, how many messages it would be, but God knew. And as I read, and it's a passage that I've read many times over, where we learn about how the disciples and all the believers devoted themselves to the things of God. And we look at this passage, and we're going to be looking at this for the next couple of weeks. So last week, we talked about prayer. We talked about what it looks like to devote ourselves to prayer. What it looks like to make prayer a priority ahead of everything that we do. No matter whether it's gathering here on Sunday, or whether it's uh, an activity that we're doing, or even in our day-to-day life, how important prayer is to us to give our days to the Lord, to, to remind ourselves that this day is not about us. Because if we don't start our day with prayer and with God, I don't know about you, but it's so much easier to allow yourself to, to be distracted by the world if you don't allow God to be the one that guides your day. You know, I, I like to joke sometimes, and I've heard it said before, you know, ministry would be so much simpler without people. But God has called us to love people, which means, you know, we need him if we're going to be able to do all those things because people are going to step on your toes. People are going to say things, do things that hurt you, sometimes without even realizing it. And sometimes they do and just don't care. But then as Christians, we have to think about how we respond to those things. How do we respond to the way people act? And so today we're going to, be, we're going to look at the same passage, but we're going to be looking at a different part of it, which is the acts of fellowship. Which, which is cool because I, I put this together before we planned uh, the event that we did yesterday which was also an act of fellowship where we were able to gather together. And, you know, while it was a sad time, it was also a time of, of rejoicing because we were able to rejoice with each other, knowing how God has used uh, our friends, Willie and Ada, to impact our lives and the lives of those that they've encountered. And so as we continue this series, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn your Bibles or your, your apps or just look up here, whichever one's easier for you. We're going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm hoping that by the end of this, you guys will know this passage so well that I won't even have to say it. All I have to say is we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, and you guys will be like, oh, he's going there again. So, But this passage is... It's very important to know what led, what led to it and how they got to this point. We, we talked about the Pentecost, which was two sun, three Sundays ago, counting today, where the Holy Spirit descended upon the people, the disciples, and then they shared the gospel. But it wasn't just a message of you need to love Jesus and you need to do this. No, it was a message that called them to repent for their actions because repentance is what they needed because they had all witnessed or had been a part of why Jesus was crucified on the cross. And so 3,000 people gave their hearts to Christ and now they have to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? 
And so it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to go ahead and take time to pray before we continue uh, this morning. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. That, you not, that we not be or allow ourselves to be distracted, but we be open to you. That we lay whatever distractions, whatever burdens, worries we may have this morning at your feet and allow you to speak to us this morning. And that we will take what we learn, what we hear, and apply it to our life on a day-to-day basis, not just on Sundays. God, we love you, we praise you, giving you glory, praise, and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Son, we pray. Amen. So when you hear the word fellowship, you know, for us, it sounds, it's fairly simple. You know, you, you, it's your fellow, it doesn't, it's, you know, everybody fellowships in one way or another. Whether you are a believer or not, you get together with people that you get along with. And you do stuff together. It could be going to the movies. It could be... Uh, some people enjoy golfing, going mini-golfing, going uh, to a sports game, just different things that you do where you get together with somebody and that you get along with, and you spend time, you spend quality time getting to know each other in different settings. And that's what fellowship is, at least to a lot of us. But when you look at Scripture and you look at the word fellowship in Scripture, there's a whole lot more to fellowship than just getting together with, with fellow believers or people that you get along with. Because how are you going to get to know other people if you don't spend time with people you don't typically get along with? How are you going to share God's word with others if you're not willing to approach people that you don't typically approach? We're called to share the gospel with everyone And so what that calls for is us putting aside our preferences in a lot of ways in our own whatever perspective or views that we might have that is not biblical. And then we approach it from God's perspective. And so that's why it's important to start our days with uh, asking God for guidance, asking him to show us things the way he wants us to see things. Because if we look at the world it, the way it is now, it's, you, it's easy to be turned off by everything that's going on. But then, if you look at through the perspectives or the lens of the gospel, what we see or should see is a, a burden or a need for more of God. And we, when we look at it through God's lens, we see, uh, we see that we, there's a lot of people that need to know Jesus. 
And what that means is that we didn't have a part to play in not just expecting our leaders to do everything because I'm not in all the same places that you guys are. And we all have, whether we realize it or not, a means of ministry. And we are, whether it's in the, way, the place that you work or your families, we are all ministering to someone in some way. And so when you look at it that way, then all of a sudden you, you realize you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to make sure that you're doing your part to share the gospel, to share your faith with one another. See, when we look at the word fellowship in the Bible, again, it's so much more than just getting together with one another and, you know, eating food and things like that. Don't, don't get me wrong. If you ever invite me to something that involves food, no, I will be there. Because I will be there. And so don't, we're not going to take away that part. That's important, too. But the idea of a fellowship in the Greek was a word that was koinonia, and it has a lot of different things that we probably don't think of. The first thing uh, that it means is partnership. And then another one is participation. Another one is uh, intimacy with your, with your spouse. And another one is um, communication communion. These are all the different things that comes with that original word of fellowship when we look at it in Scripture. In fact, there's places where that word is used. And see, sometimes those, the words in Greek kind of loses translation when it goes from Greek to English because we use a lot of the words that we use means one specific thing. Whereas at that time, the words that they use could mean multiple different things. And that's why it's important that we look at words for its original meaning, the way it was intended to be. Because then it gives us more to know what actual fellowship is supposed to be. See, when it talks about fellowship here, it's talking about, when it's, well, communication, you have to communicate with people if you're going to fellowship with them. You know, doing things like where you go some... I think it's, it's a lot harder to communicate if you go to the movies because you don't want to disrupt the movie. So that's not... That's a little different. But if you're in a space, open space, where you can talk to one another, that's how you get to know people. And so you get to know their likes, their dislikes, the things that they... You know, how they grew up, what they know or don't know... So you communicate with them. And I'm going to read a few passages where the word fellowship is used, but you, won't, you wouldn't know that it was talking about fellowship because of the way it's written. And when we think about communion, which we, did, we do here on the first Sunday of every month, we don't think of it as an act of fellowship, but that's what it is. But it's not so much a fellowship with each other, but a fellowship with God. Because we're gathering together and we're remembering the things that Jesus had done for us on the cross. And so we are taking the time to fellowship with him because of what he had done for us and acknowledging that and knowing all of that. 
And so there's a few scripture passages, and there's only really two points to this message. And the first thing that, is, that we need to that recognize is that we are to fellowship with one another. And so the first passage is from Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1 through verse 3. It says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This word in here, I use this translation, which is in ESV, to kind of give, help us see that different usage of the word fellowship. And it's talking, and that's exactly what it's talking about when it says participation in the Spirit. We're fellowshipping, not just with each other, but with the Spirit. And if you look at that as well, it calls for us to be of the same mind. That doesn't mean that we all agree on every single thing. I don't think most of us in here can say that we agree on every single thing. Even with our spouses, we don't agree on every single thing. But when we are fellowshipping and we are of the same mind in the Spirit, then we're of the same mind on the things of God. Then we are on the same mind of the things that God calls us to, the things that God calls us to do, or how God wants us to act in terms of devoting ourselves to Him. The things that we do, not just here, but outside of here. And so, again, fellowshipping calls for more than what we are even aware of. Another passage that talks about fellowship is in the book of Philemon. Chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The sharing of your faith, the sharing the gospel, communicating what we know God has done in our lives to others. Communicating with other people the way God has changed us, the way God has changed our lives from who we were to who we are today. You know, there's people will see who you are and wonder, and then there's people that know who you were and also wonder. And we have to be able to tell them why we are not who we used to be. The sharing, you don't have to know the whole Bible to be able to share your story. You don't have to know everything in the scriptures to be able to share what God has done for you. Because that's your testimony of what God has done for you. And no one can discount what God has done in your life. Sometimes we get stuck that we have to know, you know, we have to know the word, we have to do all these things to be able to share, but that's not, that's not true. The disciples, yes, they spent time with Jesus and they learned from him, but at the same time, once Jesus left, they also had to live out their faith. And the only way to do that is to not only spend time in his word, but then you have to actually put it to practice in everything that you do. So knowing the reasons why you believe, knowing how you came to know Jesus, knowing the things that he's done for you and how he's changed your life is important. Because you're going to encounter people that's going to have questions for you. That's going to want to know, how can you 
be so joyful when they know what you're dealing with? How can you, you know, come each day and with a smile, smile on your face and be in such a good mood when you just lost somebody that's important to you? Or you just maybe, or you just lost a job, or you just lost whatever it may be. People see those things, and they wonder, what is it about you that's different? What is it in you that makes you the way you are? And we know the answer. The answer is simply Jesus. And people are looking for that. If you think about the numerous losses that have happened just in the last couple months, people shooting in schools, shooting in marketplaces, just death all around. Every time you turn the news, it seems like there's something about death, about people losing someone. So it almost, without Christ, and if you look at all these things, you can feel a sense of hopelessness. You can wonder, is thing, are things ever going to get better? What will it take for things to change? What will it take to make people realize that there's something more? That comes with us living out our faith in front of others and not being afraid to stand up for God's truth and, being a, and stand up on the Word of God and the Gospel. So when it calls for us to fellowship or to share our faith, that's what that means. We have to be willing to live it out in such a way that people want to know who this God is that we serve. You know, it, God tasked all of us with that mission to go and make disciples of all nations. For us, that we start where we are. We're tasked with how we are to raise our families in such a way that they know who Jesus is. See, because it's got to start with us. We have, to be, we have to put in the effort to make sure that our children know who God is so that they can stand firm on that belief that as they encounter things in the world that says, that, well, that's not, that's not it, then they'll remember that, no, that is what I know who God is and I know what he stands for. And I'm not going to let anything or anyone change that. See, we have an important job. You know, I don't do, uh, I'll just put it out there, I don't do like messages geared towards holidays because it's, it's really, it's stressful. Because you got to think of specific things for, for that specific holiday, and I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I preach what God gives me to preach. But, one of, but in that saying that, one of the things that we have to remember is that our families is something that God wants us to take care of. And so that means that we have to do our part as parents to make sure that we raise our kids in the way that they should go. That means, you know, our, some of our least favorite things like discipline. And, you know, even in Scripture it says no discipline is pleasant at the time. But we can all think of things that if our parents or if somebody had not corrected us and told us, hey, 
this isn't right, we would be in a completely different path than we are today. And so if we don't do our parts for our children, then we're letting them down and we're allowing the world to lead our children in the way that they should go, which is away from God. That's what's happening today is we're seeing people, what it looks like when you turn away from God and allow the devil free reign. And our job as churches, our job as people is to continue to preach God's word, but to continue to do it in a way that shows people that we have no hesitation about where truth comes from. We have no hesitation about who we serve, why we do it, and how we can impact our lives. And so it calls for each and every single person to do more for the kingdom of God. It's not about, you know, yes, growing together. Yes, we grow together, but it's not so much about the numbers. But if you're not growing spiritually, then you become stagnant. And if you become stagnant, then there's really, you're not going up. You're not growing. In order to grow, we have to be willing to stay in the Word, but we also have to be willing to serve. We also have to be obedient to the Spirit's leading and do what He says and respond when God tells you to do something. You know, we can hear God say something and choose not to respond and choose not to be obedient. It comes with a call of listen and then respond. You know, God's not going to wait for us to, you know, if we choose not to follow and do what he, t- what he asks us, he's just going to get somebody else to do it. He, you know, truth is, he doesn't really need us to make things happen. But he's given us an opportunity to join in to what he's doing and what he wants to do. He didn't have to send Jesus to die on the cross, but yet he did anyways. Knowing that people would willingly reject him. See, when we fellowship with one another, we have to spend time in each other's presence. That's the best way to get to know people is you spend time with them. And you know, sometimes you don't always have to talk. You can sit and just enjoy being together. You know, we, that's because we do the same thing when we're talking to God. Sometimes you just sit and you enter in God's presence because you just love being near Him. And it should be the same way when you're with other believers that you want to be near them. Another way that we fellowship is through worshiping together. Whether that be through uh, the singing, the praying, or even the hearing of God's Word, but also where we get together and we discuss Scripture and we grow together by studying God's Word. One of the things that the believers did was they shared meals together. I think we got that one. We got that one down, so I don't think we need to go any further with that one. But they also shared possessions. When you share your possessions, it calls for you to be selfless. Because then you see some, when you see a need and you immediately act to, fill, to help fill that need, sometimes we think 
you know, we have to wait on God to tell us this is the need. But let's be tr- if we're being honest, we can see a need even just by looking around. The question is, are you willing to do something about that need? Are you willing to step up and say, I might be able to do something, or I know somebody who can probably do something about this? You know, waiting on God for an answer doesn't mean that we don't do anything. We still have to do something and not wait for the next person who walks by and sees that need to do something. You know, it's not in my notes, but I'm reminded of the story of the Samaritan where three people walked by and they saw somebody in need and rather than doing something about it, they went to the other side of the road and just kept going. And the person that stopped and hurt and helped them is somebody that they wouldn't expect to help them. And so, so the person that stopped and helped them, if you look at let's look at it in the perspective of, of us as Christians. There's, you could say there's almost an expectation of what a Christian should be or shouldn't be like, because everybody has an idea of what a Christian should be or shouldn't be. But when it comes to the needs of others, it's up to you whether you're going to step up and help or not. Now, sometimes, you know, like I said, you may see a need and you're not able to do anything about it in that moment. And I don't think you should feel guilty because you can't do something more than you're able to, and that's okay. But there's also times where we see something and we can do something, but we don't. Whether it's because we worry about what people might think or, or we allow the opinions of others to dictate what we, what we do or don't do. But if we're going to be a church that's going to reach out to our community, then we have to learn the needs of our community. And so that means that we have to be willing to meet people where they are. That ideas that we have about what it looks like when you come to church, they're probably going to change a little bit because we, we're used to being around people that have been in church. Imagine what it's going to be like when you have people that have not been in church in a long time or have never stepped foot in a church. The same grace that God has shown us, we have to show and reflect to others. That means that we have to be willing to love them as they come, preach the gospel, share the gospel, but also love them even as they walk out, even if it's the only time they step foot in this place. Because you don't know what their day is going to be like. You don't know what they've been through throughout the week. To show them that God loves them when they come in and show them that same love as they leave out, that could be the only time of the week where they experience that love or experience what it means to be in the presence of God. And we want to make sure that no matter who comes into this place, that they first and foremost experience God's presence because it's what it's about. We're here to experience His presence, to know what it's like to be in the presence of God as we fellowship and worship. But then we also know that God calls us to love. 
And so we want to make sure that we love them just the same way that we love each other. It's easy for us to love one another because we've gotten to know, you guys have gotten to know each other over the years. But what we have to be mindful of and remember is that I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. We don't want to become clicky. Because what, what that means is you, you know, you, you've gotten so used to each other that you've learned how to love one another, but when new people come in, you don't really know how to bring them in and love them the same way because you haven't had the opportunity yet. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we can completely disregard those that come in because we're so busy with each other that we don't see others. And that comes with paying attention and noticing things and doing the things that we know we're supposed to do. To love God and love others means to love everybody that we will encounter. That doesn't mean you accept their sins. Don't get that, don't get that confused. But you love them enough to want to share the gospel with them. To want to get to know them in a better way. You love them enough that you want to lift them up in prayers if we, the way we do. One of the things that, they, that the believers did was they were generous to one another. And that's not just talking about money. You can be generous with your time. You know, when you hear that a, fr uh, a friend needs something, needs help with something, and you put in the time to help them get that done. So being generous is not always about money. It's so much more than that. The second thing that we have to remember is that it calls for fellowship with God. And I talked about that a little bit. Fellowship with the Spirit, knowing that we have to spend time in the Word. You have to spend time in prayer because those are the ways that you communicate with God and he reveals himself to you when you make him a priority. He reveals things to you when you make him a priority in your life. And so we want to make sure that we give God the time in our days or whatever we're doing, even if it's a brief two minutes, five minutes, whatever length of time it may be, just being consistent and communicating with God. That's what it calls for, is consistency with God. To not let our day, whole day go through and we didn't spend any time with Him. But to make it a priority. See, fellowshipping calls for so much more than we realize. And as we learn and draw closer to one another, we have to be also drawing closer to God. Our relationship with Him matters just as much as our relationship with other people. And we're called to be ambassadors of Christ, which means that we're sharing and we're reflecting the things of God, the love of God to other people, the grace of God to other people, the mercy all these things that he's given to us, we are to reflect outwardly to others. 
see, this, this series is about more than just looking at that. It's because I believe that's what we are, as a church, called to be. To devote ourselves to prayer, to devote ourselves to fellowship. And there's a few more things that we'll be looking at in the next couple of weeks as well that I believe we are to be as a church. And so, you know, if you want to know what that looks like, then you definitely want to come back. So I'm just going to shamelessly plug that you come back and hear more of what God wants for us as a church and what he lays on my heart to share with you guys. And as we leave here this morning, as we go and celebrate the, each other and celebrate the fathers that, are, that we have in our lives, remember to take time and spend time with God each and every day and to reflect and how we're going to reflect that, the love of God to others outside of this church. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelations. That you've called us to devote ourselves first and foremost to you, to a relationship with you. But also to each other. That you've called us to be more than just people who gather, but people who are willing to be a light in their communities or a light in their workplace, a light wherever they may go. God, we pray that you would give us the boldness that we need to be willing to share your word, to be willing to, uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be willing to serve and see and, and react in a way that pleases you when we see a need, Lord, that we would not be afraid to step in and step up if we're able. Help us to be grace, graceful or gracious to others the way that you've been gracious to us. To be forgiving towards others the way that you have been forgiving to us. To show mercy in the same way that you have shown mercy to us. To be who you have called us to be and desire for us to be, not just as a church, but as individuals who profess your name. that we continue to look to you in everything that we do. And God, I pray for any and all those that maybe don't have a relationship with you. Maybe they don't know you, they don't, but they want to. God, I pray that you would send the people in their path that would share with them that would show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to profess the name of, of, your, the name of Jesus, saying that Jesus is Lord over everything.
Jesus is my Savior. And let that become our own personal declarations that you are Lord over everything. Worthy of praise, worthy of honor, worthy of everything. God, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross for us. We thank you that we can get together and continue to draw close to you, continue to draw close to one another. Lord, we love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. Amen. I pray that the, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. And that you have a great day and an even better week. Um.